As Britain moves toward a deep recession, the cost of living crisis will put many communities into debt during, no doubt, a festive season. If debts become a norm, what role does alternative lending and debt recovery play in Britain today? An average household credit card debt in the UK in 2022 include mortgages. We're talking about over 63,000 per household. Welcome to Debt Talk Podcast with me as your Dr. Debt Ripondre. The topic I'm to speak about with my panel members in this episode is alternative lending and debt recovery during Christmas. To help me navigate today's subject and provide you with tips in this month's episode, I have Helen Barron, Chair of London Capital Credit Union, who's also a professional psychologist, Peter Gent, Director of Coyo UK, one of Britain's leading debt collections companies. Finally, David Bembo, Operations Manager of England Illegal Money Lending Team. He also has a national campaign, Stop Loan Sharks. For those who are listening to Debt Talk and you want to share your personal experience on Debt Talk, or maybe you want to listen to a subject that is of your interest, you can get in touch with me directly on Twitter at yourdoctordebt or email me ripon.ray at yourdoctordebt.com. Otherwise, my website, yourdoctordebt.com. Let me begin this month's conversation with Helen Barron. Helen, you've seen a wave of change in the lending and borrowing market in a decade. What are the major types of lending products are out there right now? Hi, Ripon. Well, um, obviously, I have to mention credit unions because they're, they're growing and providing an affordable loans uh, from a few hundred to several thousand pounds. Um, perhaps the easiest way that many people borrow is, is just from the main banks, the high street. Um, you can get loans and mortgages. Those are all lending products. Uh, but also when you go into overdraft on your account, that's also borrowing. And it can turn out to be quite an expensive way uh, to borrow. Um, so do watch that. Um, and then we've had credit credit cards for four years. A lot of people have those and they're very useful uh, just as a payment card when you're buying something. It's an easy way to hand over your cash. But um, you do you can pay a lot of interest on that if you're not paying off your everything you've spent um, within the month. So you can be taking out quite a lot of borrowing without really thinking about it on a, uh, on, on a credit card. Um, something that is um, been coming into the market in the last few years is uh, buy now, pay later. We've maybe had things like that um, under different names for a while. When I was young, it used to be called buying something on the never, never. Um, but it's not It's not that you never pay it back. And these buy now, pay later companies, I mean, you, you see them when you check out on an, when you're shopping on the internet and they say, do you want to pay in several installments, companies like uh, Klarna, um, they allow you to make several payments. Um, and that can be a way of getting um, interest-free uh, credit, but the payment schedules are often quite quick. You need to pay the money back. Sometimes there's several payments in a month, and if you only get your salary once a month, that's quite hard. Um, so do look at the payment schedule. And although the credit is usually free on those, there are late fees. So if you miss a payment, then they can start charging you 
uh, and that can uh, that can quickly add up and become very expensive. Um, and they also tempt you to buy things that you maybe can't afford. So do watch those. Um, and then there are lots of commercial loan companies. Those are the ones that come up when you search for a loan on the Internet and you'll get hundreds of them offering you cheap credit they say not cheap credit at all they're typically very expensive they can be very expensive they can charge interest in the hundreds of percent and even in the thousands of percent um we used to have the payday lenders uh and they charged uh, an awful lot of money well um eventually after a lot of people lost a lot of money with them um they were regulated to some extent but commercial loan companies will still can still charge you eye-watering uh, amounts to borrow money. And, and beyond that, um, there are the illegal lenders, uh, and I'm sure David will talk more about the dangers of borrowing from them and how they can, um, uh, how they represent themselves. Um, so those, are, I think, are the main, are the main sources of borrowing. Broadening it a bit, in terms of alternative lending, what's I suppose, what chunk of the market is alternative lending is filling the gap? Well, I know the credit union sector uh, and credit unions in the UK have over two million members. So that's pretty much one in three of the adult uh, population of members of credit unions. There are nearly 400 credit unions. Um, and the sort of total loan book of all the credit unions is two billion pounds. So we're quite a substantial chunk uh of that uh of that market let's say the types of product a credit union would offer in what way the product or products be different from mainstream lenders so the main difference that credit unions have is that we are there for our members the people that use our services we talk about them as members you join a credit union and so we think about what their needs are we're not we're a not-for-profit organization we need to charge interest because we need to cover our costs as an organization but we're not interested in making as much money as possible out of people so we can offer uh, affordable loans and we can offer them in a way that is most suitable uh for for our members if our members tell us they want that certain things work for them then that's that's where we'll go so we offer very flexible both uh, loans and saving products. And I think if you want a loan of a few hundred pounds, a credit union is pretty much the only place where you're going to get that at a, without being charged uh, an arm and a leg. I mean, you mentioned about members, but how do someone become a member of a credit union? Um, so uh, you, uh, anyone uh, can uh, join a credit union if they uh, uh, if they meet the what's called the common bond of a credit union, that's the government legislation that allows credit unions to uh, operate, says that uh, members that, that, that their members need to have something in common. So that thing in common could be living in the same area. So for London Capital Credit Union, uh, we have as members people who live in certain uh, areas of London in the boroughs of Islington, Haringey, Enfield, Barnet, Camden, Hackney, and several other boroughs. I won't mention them all, otherwise this might go on for a while. Uh, you can also join us if you're a member of the co-op in London 
or if you're uh, a member of the Unison or Unite Trade Unions in the area. Other credit unions uh, might be for specific uh, occupations. So, for instance, there's a credit union that serves the armed services um, or one that serves uh, communication workers or police forces. So that's the kind of common bond. If you um, if you live uh, if you live in 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 our area, then you just go on our website and you can um, uh, and and you can join. If you're not sure, there's a website called Find Your Credit Union, uh, and that will uh, then you can put in where you live and what occupation you have, and it will tell you which credit unions uh, you're you're eligible to join. So um, everybody in the UK is eligible to join at least one uh, credit union, and often uh, and often several. Many individuals, including many of your members, may be finding themselves in tough times. What sort of help or how do you identify vulnerable members during current times within your credit union? Um, well, we serve our members and we are alert to our members' needs. So um, we will always try and provide a service in the way, in the way that suits our member. As I say, we're a not-for-profit organisation that that is that is serving members, so we do, we do what they need. So if a member tells us, for instance, that they want a loan because they're paying for a funeral, well, clearly we know that that person is maybe going through something difficult, and 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 we can take that into account. If if a member tells us that they have certain vulnerabilities, then uh, our our staff will uh, will know uh will will know what to do um it's something that we've always done i mean very recently the regulator has required all financial institutions to take account of people's vulnerabilities but for us it's not a tick box exercise it's just the way we relate to people if we are so for instance if, if a member comes to us for a loan and we can see that they're paying back a lot of expensive debt and we can save the money then we might say to them why don't we lend you more money? You pay off that expensive debt, and we can reduce your monthly payment and get and get you out of debt. Um, so that's just the way. That's just the way that we do business. Thank you, Helen. Um, let me move to Peter, Peter Gent, uh, to the discussion. Peter, um, Helen covered aspects of, I guess, um, lending. How does a debt collection company wins business from mainstream lenders or even a credit union when it comes to, I suppose, um, buying and selling bad debt? Yeah, so so we so we we we've got two products really. We we we're in a, um, a debt recovery business, and then we've recently um, obtained a license to uh, to purchase debt. But it tends to be the the. The, 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 the market itself is quite um, insular, so we very much uh, it's about the network. So you tend to know know the right people at the right institutions to speak to. The major institutions, the big banks and the traditional banks, will, will tend tend to tender for the work. So every every two or three years, they will say, "Look, we're now looking for a new panel of um, debt recovery businesses or legal companies to, to work with," and then we and then we have to um, tender for the work, explain what we do. How we how we um, operate slightly differently differently from our competition, um, and you know show the results really uh, to try and win the work. And the, with the alternative lenders, it's it's a little bit more about the power of the network. Who, who do we know? Um, and we've got a good reputation, especially in fintech businesses, because uh, we 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 have a very much a, a digital approach to uh, to recovery. 
Um, so you, you, what we tend to look at is people who are a little bit like, uh, so lenders are a bit like us. So and, and uh, going back to Helen's talking about the credit unions, a lot of the credit unions now are, have a slightly more digital approach than they used to do. So it's that it's just like looking for um, companies that are a little bit like us, uh, where we can um, you know we can, we're a good fit for them. But really, it's down, often as well, Ripon. It's just down to um, sales, being being good at it and knowing the right people to speak to. Uh, and we've been doing it a long time, so we've got a good reputation as well. So that that's key. I mean, in terms of reputation that you mentioned, and also how. Yeah. Uh, so different strategies companies use and you yeah. talked about looking at tech companies but in terms of yeah. products types of products that yeah. you I suppose hold in your uh in your balance sheet yeah. what kind of products are we talking about yeah so generally for for, for lenders we, we we do um arrears management so early arrears so somebody's missed a, a payment on a loan or a, a, on a, a repayment on a buy now pay later we will do a, we'll do an arrears process for them, which is really early. It tends to be tends to be lower balances because it, it's not the full the full loan balance isn't due. So we'll either do that confidentially, so we do it as a, what we call white label. So in effect, we're acting in the customer's name, in our client's name. Um, we brand everything as a client, or we do it in our name. Uh, maybe, maybe probably fourteen days after the client has um has, has tried to collect the debt themselves. And we do uh, direct debit rehabilitation um, just to try and get the loan back on track. So they, so whatever payments we missed, we'll, we'll get involved in that. We also do um, defaults. So if 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 the, if the customer's missed um, maybe three or four payments, at that point, um, the nauseas will be issued and the notice of defaults will be issued. And at that point, then we'll be given the, um, we'll get the debt in full so that the entire loan will be due at that point. And then that's what we'd have to collect. Um, we've also got a legal um, service, so we do a lot of scoring to make sure that we don't take people to court who can't afford it. Um, so we're all, what you're looking for is the people in who are we, traditionally you have your can't pays and your won't pays. Um, we we want the won't pays into legal, not not the can't pays. So anybody who's vulnerable or we suspect has got financial difficulty, we don't want to be taking those sort of people to court because it's. It's not. It's not a good experience for them, and it, and ultimately, it's not going to result in payment. Um. So, so we've got that sort of uh, side of it. So, it's we we really work the whole debt cycle from really early, early arrears right through to legal, um. And then, if needed, we'll 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 use an enforcement company to get involved in it. But the 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 idea is you start with a lot of arrears, and then we end up with very little going to legal, and then even less going to enforcement if we're doing our job right. So once you obtain the account from the yeah. uh, the or bulk by the uh, debtors details yeah. and you've got the accounts in front of you so what would actually happen with interest and charges that might be owed contractually it all, it all depends on the client so not everybody does it does it the same way but if it's arrears um, some of our clients will continue to charge interest um so we would get a balance from them on day one and then day two the balance would change because interest have been applied. Day three, the balance has changed. So every day we get a balance adjustment from them. So our system will automatically automatically update the balance. Once it gets to the default stage, wherever wherever the client decides that, that you know that stage is going to click in, the balance then crystallizes. So no more interest will be added onto it. And um, we'll just get a, a singular balance to, to collect. So but it but it's entirely up to the to the creditor or the or our client of how they how they want to proceed. We've got some clients who will say once it's been passed to a third party, interest stops. You know, that, that's our policy. 
we've got all the clients who say, no, no, we, we're, we're going to continue to charge it. It's entirely uh, up to them. And additionally, the traditionally, well, in probably probably 10 years ago, it, it was it relatively common to add on the, um, the the collection fees to a debt. It wasn't, un, well, it wasn't uncommon to do that. That just doesn't happen anymore. So, the, you know, with the FCA regulations kicking in and things like that, so even if even historically if it had been in a contract to so say that was allowed, it's very very rare that it, it'd ever be, uh, be be the case that we add on the fees. So the creditor the creditor basically pays. So basically, there's been a a change from previously where now you do recognise that it's not really worth accumulating debts and accumulating arrears, but there is a stop to how much you can get. Yeah. So I re- some some clients would have it at a rear stage and continue to collect on it. At the interest, but and then at a certain point they stop. Some some clients decide not to do that. It's entirely up to them. Early on, you mentioned about um, legal and enforcement. Yeah. Now, a lot of people I've spoken to, they seem to be a confusion between debt collection and yeah. and enforcement. Now, yeah. you've done both. Could you clarify up for us, please? Yeah. Well, it's it's really really simple. So debt debt collections earlier in the process, and it tends to be before any legal action has been, uh, been taken. So as, as a rule, um, er, earlier in the process, you'd have a debt recovery company or a debt collection company involved. Um, and then if they're not, not able to recover the debt or get an arrangement or uh, make contact with the customer, at that point then um, it'd be passed to the legal. And then once it's been through the legal process and the legal um, the judgments have been issued or, or whatever they need to do, if it's, if it's council tax, then they'd issue um, liability orders. It's at that point then enforcement would kick in. So enforcement is really at the end, and debt recovery is more more at the start or the middle of the process. Offline, we've spoken about you moving away from, I guess, um, enforcement yeah. to to debt collection. What was your your personal reason for doing that? Yeah, well, there's a couple, there's a couple of things that um, Coeo UK, uh, um, were formerly called uh, Credit Resource Solutions or CRS. And I, I worked here for five years, seven or eight years ago. So, and I've stayed really close to the direct, the original directors and the owners of the business. And, and I was offered the uh, opportunity to to return um, as we were going through the change into a, into our new ownership. Uh, and the other the other um, clear reason was we were in COVID, and enforcement. I was the di- sales director at an enforcement business, and you can't do enforcement when COVID was on. So, so basically, I didn't have a job. You know, ultimately, I was I didn't really have a job. So it was um, a pragmatic approach that I needed to get back into doing something and get and, and took this opportunity. That, that was the reason. Moving forward, um, Peter, what challenges do you think uh, a debt collection companies or recovery companies may experience during the cost of living crisis? Yeah, I think what you're going to find that there's lots of um, worry and uh, you know about people being able to pay the bills, and we we accept that the the fuel the the cost of energy is going through the roof. I think we'll, what we're going to find is that we're going to have longer payment arrangements for people. So people are going to say, look, I can't pay this debt, but I can pay it. Instead of over six months, it might be over 12 months or over 18 months. And you'll have more people entering into arrangements than previously. So generally, people who want, want, want to engage with us will either pay, pay the debt or they'll set an arrangement. I think there'll be less people paying in full now and more people spread it, spreading the arrangements across. And I think you're also going to have um, a different demographic entering into into debt. So people who've um, never never had this situation before, suddenly the mortgages have increased, their um, energy costs have increased. They're going to have a situation where they um, they have to engage 
in, in, with a debt, a debt recovery business. And but we but we also know that, and and it's a real real thing with me that people who want people depend despite the fact that there's a cost of living crisis and we know what we're going through, people who want to engage will will engage with us. So if somebody wants to engage with us, we we will we will engage accordingly. Set the go through the INE forms with them. Set the right arrangements. If they need to go to um, a third, you know, part of the third sector to a debt charity and refer to that, we can do that. The people who don't want to engage wouldn't would not have engaged whether there's a cost of living crisis or not. They just decided they're going to ignore it. So, so the challenge for us is 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 to get people to engage with us. That we're not, you know, we we, we will set reasonable arrangements up. We'll try and find the best solution for them and the and the right outcome. Um, but I, I just think it'll be more arrangements and longer arrangements over the next twelve months. I think. I mean, I'm not sure you've you've been following Peter, but there has been a change within, uh, I suppose, the enforcement sector yeah. due to the fact due to the fact that we now have enforcement conduct board. Yeah. What do what do you think is the purpose of for setting such a board, and is it fit for purpose? Um, I think, and then I guess it would be slightly controversial now, Rip, and I think it was a bit political. Um, so I've been working in the enforcement world, and I know I know enforcement officers to to to. To be become an enforcement officer, and I mean a a, a, a legit a legitimate one, you have to get a, um, a a license or a ticket from the court. So if somebody's not being not following the rules or not doing what they should be doing, they have that license taken away from them from the, by the magistrates court, and then they're unable to work. So in my experience with enforcement officers was that they were very very compliant and and, and would never take it, despite the likes of me saying to them, "Oh, go and try again, try again," because the client needs the money back. They would do, you know, they'd be really, really compliant. So I think there's a bit of politics going there. But I do think that, especially in the public sector, there's been traditionally the the the, the process has been try and collect it. If it doesn't work, send it to an enforcement officer. And I think there's got to be a bit more thought to this. That actually there's other ways to do this, like like using the maybe using a debt recovery business to set arrangements up. And the the other thing I think would be critical. Um, for the, for an expert for the experience for people who are in debt is they're looking maybe potentially privatizing it so as opposed to using the the court bailiffs who are um very stretched have too much work to do so so in a case would be sat with enforcement it could be sat there for 12 months before anything happens so that's a stress on the on the um on the customer basically on the on the debtor um and i think the fact that, you, that it gets privatized might make, might speed the whole process up and just make it a little bit smoother um, so I think that that'll help as well. So I think the two things are going together: the, the re new regulations and the fact it might be privatised will help. I think. I mean, what we could do in the future, we can talk about both sides of the story and also yeah, yeah. perhaps listen to listen from the point of view of the enforcement conduct board yeah. um, to get kind of their point of view heard as to why whether whether they're, they're fit for purpose or not but yeah. thank you um peter let me bring david into the conversation uh, and uh, i suppose explore recovery enforcement a bit more so far david uh, we, we've been speaking about no doubt mostly around lending recovery and aspects of i suppose enforcement from Peter's point of view, um, but what is a non-regulated activity uh, from your point of view, and in in what way does the legal, I suppose, lending team fit in? Okay, so uh, we're the illegal money lending team. Um, just to explain a bit about us, because people might not be aware, we're a national team that deals with illegal money lenders in England, 
Uh, there's also a team that works out of Scotland and Wales. Um, the team consists of specialist investigators that only deal with loan sharks. So if incidents are reported to the police or partner agencies, those reports will be passed to us. Um, again, a lot of people don't realise the scale of the problem because loan sharks tend to operate underneath the radar within communities. Um, but it is, it is a real problem. There was a report uh, published earlier on this year by the Centre for Social Justice, who estimated that over 1 million people in England alone um, used loan sharks. So in terms of um, you know, what actually it is, very simply, it's where an individual will lend money as a business without correct permission given to them by the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA. And the reason for this is the FCA will make checks on individuals to ensure that they're a proper, proper fit person um, to run a business and that that person will operate within regulatory guidelines such as setting out agreements so it's clear how much you're borrowing, how much interest you're going to pay, how long you'll be paying it for, cooling off periods etc and an illegal money lender or a loan shark doesn't have this because quite simply they don't want to be regulated, they don't want to be told who they can lend money to more importantly, they don't want to be told how they go about getting that money back. Data that I've seen from the illegal lending team, which talks about at least 50% of debtors assume that illegal lenders are their friend. What does that actually mean, their friend? Loan sharks are very clever. They do appear to be friendly. They'll be very nice to you. Um, and they'll come across as appearing to help you. Um, and they will remain like this until you stop paying them or you miss a payment. And that's when they change. Um, one of our victims likened it to a Jekyll and Hyde character, where the loan chart would change in an instant from being a friendly person to an evil person. Uh, we've also had a judge um, in summing up uh, sentencing of a loan chart who said that the impact upon the victim was like a murdering of their soul. The impact of the victim is murdering the soul. You know, we have the power to investigate loan sharks. We have powers to obtain search warrants at their addresses. Uh, we have seconded police detectives on our team, so they'll arrest the loan sharks. Uh, we'll seize loan sharks' money or any documents and paperwork at their addresses. And we have a specialised legal team that deals with the court proceedings and prosecutions. Um, once we've convicted a loan shark, then we'll utilise powers under the Proceeds of Crime Act to recover any assets that they have had through criminal benefits. We've looked at, in a sense of criminal activities, and I suspect we're talking about prosecutions, as opposed to civil matter, which earlier on Peter mentioned, whereby you take a debtor to a county court, a legal process, unless, of course, we're talking about, let's say, court fines or council tax. But looking at it from the perspective of uh, an individual who borrowed and is at risk, how would you support that individual throughout the, I suppose, criminal process? Okay, so, you know, as I say, the impact on our, our victims can can be uh, absolutely massive. I mean, we've we've had victims that have borrowed £250 so that they can purchase a car so they can get to work. 
and have ended up paying £90,000 back. You know, we've had loan sharks that have been convicted that have been given out loans with APR levels of 4.5 million percent. Um, so within our team, we've got a, a team of support workers as part of our department known as liaise officers, and they're located all around the country. And they provide bespoke one-to-one -one support to all of our victims. So when a victim engages with us, these officers will visit them, they'll conduct risk and needs assessments with them. If the risk, if the risk is very severe, then we may look at, at rehousing that particular person. Um, but there's other support there um, that's provided, so help with finances, help with debt, making sure that they're claiming the correct type of benefits that they're entitled to, as well as making sort of partnership referrals as well. And that support is with the victims all the way through the journey with us from the, the day that they first reported until the end of the prosecution case. Thank you, David. It's no doubt uh, wonderful to hear from um, all three of you in terms of your experience and knowledge uh, on alternative lending and debt recovery. The subject that I've been covering so far with my panellists has been alternative lending and debt recovery during Christmas. To give a positive twist to this podcast, let me ask my panellists what tips they would give to my listeners when it comes to dealing with the cost of living crisis. So let me start with Helen from London Capital Credit Union. Hi there. I suppose uh, my top tip would be find your local credit union and, and join that because uh, our, our services both being having access to good value loans and uh, and the savings that we encourage, you're going to do better. But if but if I was outside the credit union, I would say just be very wary of somebody that's offering you a simple solution to a debt problem because not that there aren't solutions to problems but they aren't simple you need to think about them and they need working out so if somebody comes to you and wants to sell you for instance at the moment there's loads of people trying to sell individual voluntary agreements ivas and they are often interested in the money they can make off the back of that and not in sorting out your debt problem we have a lot of members who've been encouraged to take out an iva and actually it hasn't helped it hasn't helped them so if you are going to get advice, go to uh, a reputable organisation uh, like uh, like Citizens Advice um, to to or Step Change to get your advice. Um, somebody that's out there commercially saying they're going to solve your problem simply almost certainly isn't. Let me move to Peter, uh, director of Koyo UK. What tip would you give? I think that I think it's for me. It's just just to make sure you, if you do get in a, a situation with debt, um, just please engage. Um, the the worst the worst thing you could do is just ignore it. Uh, so if you engage with us, we can find a solution. Um, that, that that's all I would say. Just just don't ignore it. Um, the, the, there's lots of horror stories about debt recovery and enforcement, but it, but I've worked in this industry for a long time, and generally it's not true. So if you engage, we can find a solution. We 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 have a tagline here about let's get it let's get it sorted, and it, and if getting it sorted means um, referring somebody to a debt charity, then that's that's what we'll do. Uh, but just please engage. And finally, um, to David Benbo, operations manager of England Illegal Money Lending Team. Yeah, my tip um, is simply do not borrow from loan sharks. Um, look for the signs. 
Um, so look where you're meeting this person. Have you met them in a pub or a, a work canteen or outside the school? Um, if they're offering you money, you know, is there any paperwork there? Are they asking for any securities from you, copies of your passport or your driving license or taking jewellery off you as, as, as some sort of security? Um, check the FTA register to see if they are licensed or not. Um, and finally, if you ha do have any concerns or you think you may have borrowed from a loan shark or you know somebody that may have borrowed from a loan shark, contact us. Um, if you just put stock loan sharks into Google, you'll see us. Um, you can contact us there via email, Facebook, um, Snapchat. Um, and we have a 24-hour hotline. That's um, 0300 555 And that hotline is staffed 24 hours a day by um, our investigators. It's not a call centre. You'll get put through to one of our staff members. And they can have a chat with you in confidence about any, any concerns. They can check the FCA register on your behalf for you. And they can give you um, any advice and support that you may need. 0300 555 uh, Thank you, David. Um, I would like to thank my panellists for giving their precious time um, on Debt Talk Podcast, on alternative lending and debt recovery during uh, Christmas. Um, for my next episode, I'm going to speak about crypto asset gambling and debt during the cost of living crisis. Once again, thank you for listening to Debt Talk Podcast with your host, Ripon Ray.